Welcome to the Principles of Success, interviewing the expert, and today's book review is a little different. We'll get to the actual episode here in a second, but I recorded a short series of books way back when on farming and homesteading kind of material, just because I was reading them anyway, and I saved them for this announcement, and I'm happy to announce the Zion Home Project. Now, I've already mentioned it in passing in previous episodes, but the Zion Home is a way to be self-sufficient in a collapsing world and still enjoy the 21st century lifestyle. So like having electric light bulbs and refrigeration and air conditioning and heating and flushing toilets and all that fun stuff. Now, a lot of you might not be interested in it. In With recent historical events, there might be a bigger interest, but I know that's not the target audience for this podcast in general. However, if you have a curiosity, and I'm sure a lot of you do, that's what the next several books are about. And if you want to know more about the Zion Home in particular, go check out my TikTok or YouTube, and they're both Nathan Dickison. N-A-T-H-A-N-D-I-C-K-E-S-O-N. And on to the show. Welcome to the Principles of Success, interviewing the experts, and today's book review is From Dirt to Soil by Gay Brown. And this is a book kind of written in a autobiography form of how this city kid turned regular industrial farmer took his failing farm business that he inherited from his uh, father-in-law and became a very wealthy man. And his obsession is with on soil health because the more health that your soil, the healthier your soil is, the more profit you make. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, point number one. Tilling, like tilling the ground, increases water demand and decreases soil absorption. So when you slice up soil, you're killing all of the network of plants and fungi and bacteria. You're slicing them all up and killing them all, so that way you can plant your seed. Well, you don't have to do that. It's just a traditional way of doing it. But by doing that, and you're Killing all that, you're creating more compaction, which makes the soil harder. You're decreasing the level of carbon in the soil. And all of that adds up to each year, your soil turns to more and more dirt. And it's able to not hold nutrients or water. And is not able to reabsorb those as quickly. A corpse does not function the same as a living being. However, that analogy dies real quick. Because unlike corpses, dirt can be turned to soil real quick, as long as you let it heal over the course of several years. Next point, synthetic fertilization costs money and decreases production. Synthetic fertilization is expensive and it is nowhere near as good as if you would just freaking add animals to your farm production. Cover crops, which are crops that you put in after you take out, like say you plant corn. Once you harvest the corn, you plant a cover crop. That's what cover crops are. Cover crops can be planted 
anywhere that gets more than two inches of rain, so basically the entire planet, and should be planted in a mix because it gives you different sized solar panels to collect the rainbows, like we talked about in Joel Salatin's book, Pickness of the Pig, um, and they fill every crevice instead of all being the exact same shape and size and the same height, and they only are catching a little bit, but by having all sorts of different plants with a variety of root systems that go deeper than others and spread out more than others and are thicker or thinner. Um, and then above the surface, you have all the different leaves and stems doing different heights and different uh, shapes to capture as much sunlight as possible. And the point of the cover crops is to basically protect the soil um, like a armor. It protects it from the sun rays drying it out and it protects it from wind it protects soil erosion it basically is there to keep your soil healthy and you can either sick animals on it as a feed source or you can let the winter kill it and then it is the it is a form of fertilizer for your next crop next mob grazing plants need to be stressed and fertilized by animals like we talked about um, in the last book, plants have a symbiotic relationship with animals, especially grass and, and ruminants, like cattle. They need that stress, they need to be eaten so that way they can, uh, and they need that fertilization so that way they can grow faster and stronger. However, and just like people, we need a little bit of stress in our lives, but however, plants, people, nothing likes constant, never-ending stress that is that comes from going back to the plants a permanent pasture you can't farmers should not be leaving their animals in one spot for a prolonged period of time and yet most of them do it and it kills the grass and it gets and that destroys their soil america had prairie grasses that would reach 9 feet high because the buffalo would swoop in decimate them and then leave them alone for another year, and then swoop in and decimate them. And that's why we had 30 inches of topsoil, which is why America was able to be so freaking productive, because we had the best soil in the entire globe, and we're able to pillage that for our own very productive gain. So basically, your animals need to move. If you're not rotating your animals, then you're not going to be a profitable farming industry. Next, less inputs equals more money. And this is, I kind of left this on the burner from the from last week or two weeks ago, I guess, depending on how I set this up. I'm recording way in advance. But just like any business, the more it costs to produce something, the less profit you're going to acquire. So by saving on fertilization cost, reducing the need for additional feed like hay or grains, those all add to your bottom line, which makes it more money in your pocket. Next, there is three kinds of dirt. There is clay, there is soil, or there is clay, there is silt, and there is sand. All are just different size of rocks, essentially. That's what dirt is, is rock. Soil is full of microbes, roots, and carbon. It does not matter what kind of dirt you have. People like to condemn clay. Clay has a lot of benefits. But it doesn't matter what kind of 
dirt you have, it matters on how much actual soil you possess and how healthy your soil is. What is your microfungi count in your soil? Most farmers don't even know what the heck I'm talking about. How much decaying plant matter, aka carbon, is in your soil? The more carbon you have in your soil, the more it holds onto water. A rotting log is the most is the biggest form of carbon as an example. A rotting log holds a lot of water. It's like a sponge. How much carbon do you have in your soil? And how much root mass do you have in your soil, which is also carbon, and it is also how your soil so, soil how your soil stays in place. If you don't have roots in your soil, then the wind's going to come and blow your soil away. That's why Oklahoma had major dust storms during the Dust Bowl era, is because there was no roots in the soil, and it's a windy tornado area, and everything blew away, and it created these massive dust storms that killed and destroyed everything. So instead of fo focusing on what kind of dirt you have, focus on improving your soil life. Next, there are 400 good insects to every one pest. If you're constantly spraying, you're killing the good insects and the bad insects. If you're planting a monocrop of like, let's say corn, there is only a food source for the pests and not a food source for the good insects. He doesn't talk about it in this book, but one of my favorite examples is the flower, yarrow, and apple trees. Yarrow is a house for the bug that eats the bugs that infect apples. So if you want a backyard apple tree, plant some yarrow around it. And also, yarrow is one of the herbs I talked about in one of the herbalist episodes in the health season of this podcast. So go check out the yarrow episode. There's lots of good benefits from yarrow as well. So by decreasing diversity in your on your property, you are able to make it so that way the pests get all eaten by their predators. Now, there is lag time. It does take a little while for the predator populations to recover faster than the pest problems. But once it all equals out, you will have very, very minor pest issues with no inputs, which means more profit, less labor. The next point I wanted to talk about is his chaos garden. This was just kind of a fun little experiment he did. He loaded a giant combine full of a wide array of seeds. Like he put pumpkins and squash and zucchini and corn and watermelon and peppers and he just loaded it all up and then seeded acres of this and he just had a giant chaos garden is what he called it and it just grew it grew fantastically because there was all this um diversity of size and roots and leaves and it just grew really well and he didn't have to put any inputs in it now from a production standpoint it doesn't work very well but for a home gardener it might work great especially if you're not reliant on the food and again it lowers input and labor because he didn't have to weed it because they all self-weeded themselves because they took up every nook and cranny now to change this into a production point doing rows you can have a row of corn you can have a row of carrots you can just do rows um, and market gardening is the most famous for this. You just have long skinny rows of each type of crop and then you have the diversity but it's still in order so that way you can have production, have reliable production. And now we're getting into the more business side of this book which is the part that you guys mostly will probably care about. And by the way, 
So thank you for listening to these books. I know it's probably not a lot of your cup of teas, but for some of you, it might be of benefit. So just like any business, you need a good website. If you want to be successful, you need a way to let people know you exist. And this is a good website, a good storefront, good advertising. You just need a presence. Next, farmers were sold a bag of crap. They were told to produce more and more and more for lower and lower margins and to buy more and more and more inputs. And uh, they were left with having to work crazy long hours to produce no profit. The modern farmer makes profit by keeping expenses underneath the guaranteed insurance payout that is provided by the federal government. They don't make a profit from actually producing the food. They make a profit by making sure that their insurance payout is higher than their production costs. And if you aren't interested in the farming and you don't think this affects you, guess whose tax dollars pays those farmers for this model of production? None of it works. And if you still don't think that affects you, this kind of industrial farming is also terrible for your health. We talked about chickens um, last week. Let's talk about oranges this time. 100 years ago, I'm just pulling out a number. I don't remember what the number was. But 100 years ago, one orange had the same nutrient value as today's oranges times eight, which means you have to eat eight oranges to equal the nutrient value of one orange. What that equates to is your food sucks. You are, it sucks in flavor, nutrients, and all that is where the flavors come from. Industrial food is super bland and tasteless, and no wonder everyone has health issues because it also has no nutrition to it. So you have to eat eight oranges to equal just one orange a while back. That's why also I say planting your own food is also super useful. Because going all the way back to the health episodes, a healthy brain is required for success. If you are dealing with health issues, if you're dealing with mental issues, it is a whole lot easier to be, or it's a whole lot harder to be successful when you're dealing with those struggles. And most of us are dealing with those struggles. Not, not me really anymore, but I had it worse than a lot of people. Um, when you're struggling with health issues, you can't be productive. So do you still think it doesn't affect you? And then one last point before we dive fully into the last point of business relations to it. Rain amount doesn't matter. A healthy soil absorbs two inches of water in 30 seconds. Your soil, most of the soil across the world, um, almost all the soil across the world has been destroyed. Your soil probably can absorb one inch per hour. So a healthy soil, just to repeat it, will absorb two inches of water in 30 seconds, your soil most likely absorbs one inch of water in an hour. Because it's all been compacted, fertilized with our artificial fertilizers. One crop, whether it's your lawn or uh, a grain acreage, it's had one crop for probably 20, 30 years. It's been tilled up. It's been, had heavy equipment driven over it. It's been compressed. It's just dead. <laughs> And that's dirt, not soil. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, 
Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So, now let's talk about business real quick before we end today's episode. And I've already talked about it a little bit with last week's episode, but stacking industries is super important to being profitable in any business, but especially in farming. And I'll just use some of my business plans, I guess, as examples. I can do black walnut, which is an extremely profitable timber, um, and pair it with pigs. Pigs are a profitable cash flow. They and they love walnuts. They love nuts. That's what pigs are supposed to eat for a, super heavily in the fall. So my black walnuts, while they're growing, will provide a excellent payout at the end of their life cycle. But they also provide additional food for the pork that is producing cash flow in the meantime. Another example is empress trees, mulberry, and cows. Cows eat the grass between the trees, keeping mowing costs down. The empress trees provide timber um, much faster than walnut, but it's also not as valuable. Um, and they provide the cows and the trees, and the empress trees provide nitrogen for the mulberry trees, which are considered premium firewood. And they also are additional feed for the cows. That's another example of stacking industries all in the exact same space for profit. And then the last one is the more conventional one, and that is having an orchard of trees, like apple trees, having a understory of, like, bushes. They can be big bushes if you have big trees, or they can be little bushes. Like, hazelnut is technically a bush. So are blackberries. But you can have trees, you can have bushes, and you can also have flowers in the same area. You can have grapevines growing on the trees and all this is super compact in the same area but now you're producing a lot of fresh fruit for sale and because you have all of this a diversity of fruit with different flowering times and different i guess nutrients you can do bees and the bees will freaking love you because they get the apple flowers they get the blackberry flowers they get the nut flowers they're like, ooh, this is a buffet, it is delicious. So you can add bees, and bees are an additional profit source. So each time you add something, yes, it decreases the ability to produce one thing slightly, like, like you won't get as many blackberries that are underneath an apple tree as you would if they were out in the open sun, but now you have apples, blackberries, bees, flowers, grapes, nuts, and if you combine it with, like, chickens, chickens are another one that can float through that area. They'll be the pest control. You have all of these different things that are all sharing the same space, which maximizes profits, which means more money for you to live off of and enjoy life out in the middle of the countryside, if that is your desire. And with that, I will end today's episode and move on to the announcement kind of deal thing, and I will see you all. Actually, I forgot the last point, so don't leave yet. And that is acquiring as much of the dollar as possible. And I'll use my 
uh, woodworking as an example of that. So, like I said last week, most farmers get 10% of the dollar because they sell the crops to a conglomerate. That conglomerate sells it to the grocery stores. The grocery stores sell it to you. And so you get to pay premium and the farmer gets gypped. In meat production, the cattle farmer gets a small amount per pound for the animal, and then the meat packers take a good chunk of the profit, and then they sell it to the grocery stores, and the grocery stores take a good chunk of the profit, and then sell it to you. So you get screwed over. So as a consumer, one thing you can do is buy directly from the farmer. You get cheaper a lot of the time, sometimes not, depending on if it's a premium product. Like, for instance, grass-fed beef instead of factory farm corn beef. But back as the producer side, you want to, and any business for this matter, you want to minimize the amount of profit going to other companies and maximize you getting as much of the dollar as possible. So I'll use woodworking as an example because this is what I did to make or am do, what I am doing to maximize the profit from my timber production which was a new acquisition when I am recording this episode, but it'll probably be a couple years old by the time you're hearing this episode. But I bought a woodlot for passive income at the worst case scenario, but to maximize the profits, if everything goes according to plan, it, I will take that wood, saw it up into timber. Loggers, they would give me like a dollar per ton, which is like... A lot of wood. Um, and then they sell it for a couple dollars to the mills. And that's how they make their profit is they give me dirt for trees that have spent 30 years growing on my land. So that way they can get a little bit of profit from the mills. The mills saw them up, make them into actual usable boards. And then a lot of times they either have in-house or sell it to a kiln. Because wood is wet, it needs to dry. So the kiln dries the wood, so that way it is now no longer green wood, and you can use it for construction or woodworking or whatever. And then the construction guys buy the wood, build you a house, charge you premium, or the woodworkers buy the wood, create something nice, and charge you premium. Well, I have the trees. A sawmill costs a couple grand. A kiln, a little solar kiln, costs a couple of grand. Building a woodworking shop costs a couple of grand, but now I have a completely, if everything goes according to plan, a completely in-house wood production woodworking shop. So I take a tree and the tree produces, if I had sold the tree to a logger, would have produced me maybe a dollar or two. Instead, it produces enough wood for me to produce wood products that are worth probably a couple thousand dollars. And most of it requires minimal amounts of labor. Like I'm talking a couple thousand dollars for maybe an hour or two worth of labor. That's the power of in-house stacking of production. And that's just my wood example. But you can do this with, let's say, apples. Apples, you can make a decent profit from them. But apple juice, you can make a great profit from the apple juice. Then you have all of this apple pulp which you can then feed to pigs as a feed source, and then you get apple bacon as a additional profit source. And the apple juice is already charged at a premium, and you get to keep the frickin' apples. And this applies for non-agricultural businesses as well. 
This next example is kind of an agricultural business still, but a restaurant that produces its own food. Um, there's a restaurant here that creates the best food, like it's considered one of the top places within probably a couple hundred miles. It it grows its own steak out back. It produces its own produce from down the street. And that's another example of a way to maximize profits as a farm. But a restaurant closing the loop, the costs, makes it so that way they can be more profitable for cheaper. It's a high-class restaurant that competes with um, most other medium-class restaurants because they have the food production in-house. A media company with in-house production is more profitable than a media company that has to buy all of its pictures and videos from other sources and then only does part of the process and then ships it off to like an advertiser. So your goal as a business owner should be to maximize the amount of each percentage of dollar that you can acquire from production. Anyway, that is the actual last point. So now I will end that there and I will see you all next week.